I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Monday night, 8 p.m. Welcome to the Online Darts Live Lounge. Me, Phil Bars, Jack Garwood, and Lee Boyce, gentlemen. It's been a hell of a four or five days, hasn't it? Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> um, yeah, look, we're, we're all we're all a bit tired, um, but we've made it through, lads. Yeah, just about, just about. A lot to talk about, though, as per normal. Uh, very good four days, five days, however many days it's been. All fun. Don't know what day it is anymore. <laughs> no, it's um, yeah, it, it's like that. But welcome everyone in the chat room. Uh, first of all, huge shout out to uh, Dan on um, Sunday and Liam on Saturday. Absolutely smashed the Pro Tour streams um, on their own. It's, it's tough going on their own, but it was literally bare bones. We were stretched to the absolute max. But look, it's all good. We got there. And we will go again this week, boys. Do we? Well, we've got a couple of days off, then it all starts again. Premier League, Pro Tour. <laughs> the P word is banned. Which one? A lot of PDT stuff starts with a P. Well, you know the one. <laughs> um, evening, one and all, in the chat room as well. Before we go into it, let's run you through. Evening, Daniel. Hope you are good. Um, Tommy is in, as is Bob. Uh, Colin says, hello, everyone. Uh, Malachi is in. Andrew, Alex, um, Sam. Yeah, we'll come on to the atmosphere in Cardiff. It, it, it was good. Um, we'll, we'll come on to the Euro Tours later. Uh, how are we doing, uh, Joe? Uh, Tommy, boy, how are we doing? Max is in. Let's move this, Dan. Uh, Kieran, how are we doing? James, there he is. Dan, Dan himself. Dan Pellegrino. Um, Craig says, running late tonight, place your bets. Um, no, it was just, um, we were just having a 
chat pre-show. Uh, howdy, lads. How are we all doing? Mark. Uh, James is in as well. How are we all doing? Loads in. Uh, Preston, how are we all doing? And Paul as well. Remember, nice and early. If you haven't yet, make sure you drop us a like and subscribe um, to Online Darts as well. Um, should we dive straight in? Um, Richie Halson is on the show uh, later. So we'll go straight in and, and we'll, we'll, we'll start with the seniors. We'll, we'll dive straight in. The second World Championships. Um, and first of all, a very, very good four days. The extra session, us and the organisers were, were dubious. Let, let, let's be, be fair about that, whether it would work or, or whether it wouldn't. And it certainly did. Yeah. Yes, yes. Look, everything worked this weekend, didn't it? It was just bloody brilliant. Maybe a bit biased there, but it, it just was. like The atmosphere at the tavern was perfect. The crowd were all brilliant on every single session. The, the quality that we saw on show was superb. The reactions from the players was brilliant. The way that like, nothing was too much for any of them at any point. And when you considered perhaps some of the attitudes of some of the players that were invited in the first year that were just there because it was a one-off, right, we'll do this, etc. You can see... <clears throat> Even the players that struggled last year or that have been away and they've put the work in on the board, they don't just want to be rolled out once a year and go, right, this is some sort of gimmick on TV. There's so much hype around the tour as a whole right now and it was celebrating everything that was good this weekend, I think. Yeah, no, look, it was, it was good. One of my favourite moments of the whole weekend was out of nowhere when Andy Jenkins checks out one four two, and I don't think I've seen a bigger celebration in years. <laughs> I think I think that is that probably shows how much that moment and there was plenty of them. That just shows how much it means to some of these that um was speaking yesterday to, to you, Jack, about Tevin Painter and seeing the smile on his face that I've I've never seen so much on stage and certain players it's just gave them that new lease of life. Not only gave them that new lease of life, it's that the wanna commit and the wanna be at more um events. When the announcement was made, and I'm sure we'll touch on it later for the Champion of Champions, Tevin was sat just in front of us, and that was only about 10 minutes after his defeat. And my God, he was happy that he was in Blackpool. But it shows that he just, every player has had a taste of it, but the one had over then, the want more, the want even more. And it, it just shows that it's not just a one-off, let's just sort of throw the the old boys and the women's together and let's see what we can produce. It's some very, very good darts, very competitive and what a field it was throughout the whole weekend. Yeah. Um, interesting one here from Preston. And we don't mind talking about this. Um, saw some complaints. I read it that not enough older players and the newer ones were taken over with your thoughts on it. Look, I think from, my point of view, I think there are a few that need to go away and put some work in because you can see the ones, whether you class them as newer or not, because they're all over <coughs> 50, but you can see the ones that are still playing regularly at a good level and the ones that aren't. And 
one there is one concern, and it is arguably the star attraction that I think Phil needs to go away and play some competitive darts. He needs to, I think he needs to go away and play more, but I think the question and, and the, the comments online are, are pretty much that there are too many players that are too good in that, and I'd never thought I'd ever hear that after a year that they're complaining that players are too good. Everybody in it was eligible. The only organisation that places any restrictions on anybody playing is the PDC, and that stops others from going elsewhere. Like, surely a better tournament, everybody's eligible. You have the reigning WDF World Champion in there, reigning US Darts Masters in there. You've got a couple of players that just come off the tour. That's only going to continue to grow as well, as, as long as the tour keeps growing. You want the best players playing at the best level, and if that includes more players from the qualifiers, if that includes more whatever, it's just more motivation for everybody to produce a better standard of darts. I don't buy the or the newer players because the way that some of, the way that some people got creative with trying to word it or off the circuit as if that's a thing. Like everybody's on the circuit. We have a the seniors have a tour. There's the ADC. There's play. There's plenty of players in the WF. The, the thing that summed it up, I think, the most was people were complaining about Leonard Gates and, and Scott Mitchell and, and Neil Duff being in there as WDF World Champion. Darren Johnson has qualified for the WDF World Championships next year. Nobody said a peep about that one. Obviously, Job, you go to all or most of the floor events. Would you like to see some of the bigger names go to the Open Series and stuff like that? Yeah, and I, I think that's their conversations that are being had, those players, and we're seeing it more in interviews. Martin Adams definitely said that he wants to venture out more. Kevin Painter's looking to get involved. We've already seen uh, Daryl Fitton, um, Tony O'Shea turn up to events. Um, Robert Thornton was at the last weekend as well. And I think it's just getting that balance right now. There are still some players that are conscious that um, the events so far this year whilst being qualifiers, are ranked. And look, we've, we've been over that system and it not being perfect so far, especially the invited players are very conscious of taking a spot away from somebody through a ranked qualifier. But for the Open Series, definitely, I think we'll see more and more players that, that have been invited or, or those that haven't played last year turn up to those events and, and have a crack. I just, just to add to that, from a tournament perspective, as you've said there, um, Dob, you'd like to see that. The flip of that, from a player's perspective, I think a lot of them will want to be at these because they need to put that time in. Yeah. We've be super series, we've be open events. We, we've alluded to Phil there, but there's a few others who fall into that category. They need to get their match sharpness up because if you lose, if you lose a game at a world championship, it's not embarrassing. However, if you go to event after event after event and you're not taking the first round or second round. These players who are used to winning will not want that feeling for much longer, so they'll need to put that time in on whichever circuit they, they choose to do. But if you didn't have to compete on the seniors, obviously we'd love to see them in the Open. Yeah, right. This is the only one. We've got no um, session by session, so I can't remember exactly um, who played when, but that was the draw bracket. Out of the first round, boys, who was your standout? Standout dame or standout player? Both. There's certainly a need here to to highlight Neil Duff versus Lee Sebastian, a very, very high-quality encounter between the both. Played at a good pace, uh, just pinched legs off, and they both just got on with the game as well, which I thought was 
was really cool to see. I mean, another time we, we could have been seeing Lisa go deep in this in this competition. That there are certainly points in the first round where you're looking, going, mm, perhaps they've had a a slightly nicer draw, shall we say, without being respectful to to any player. Um, you have to have a look at Richie Housen versus David Cameron as well. Cameron beating him en route to to winning the Masters at Lakeside, a big draw that was um, spotted when, when the draw first came out um, with, with a bit of revenge for Housen. We all know how that went for the rest of the week. Yeah, agreed. Look, I, on the Thursday, I didn't see a lot because obviously I was in Cardiff, but I did enjoy Mason against Jenkins. Um, yeah. The two back-to-back time finishes from Mace, both on the ball, was it 104 and 127? I yeah. think it was were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Were, were, were were really really good. Um, it, it enjoyed that one, and overall, I was impressed by Mark Dubbridge as well. Yeah, he's probably when I'm looking at who stands out as a for the first round. Mark Dubbridge and then Glenn Durrance. Yes, Glenn didn't play to the the level that we we known of the previous years. However. He started Otahi and Mark Dudbridge had to make sure he got over the line in that first set because then it could have been a different game, especially with the fans, a lot of the fans there on Dudbridge's side. Um, so Dudbridge was probably the, the standout for me in that first round. The only second pick probably would have, for me would have been Lisa. So I thought Lisa was outstanding and it took something um, quality from Neil to that over the line. Um, so they were probably the two for me. Um, impressed with Leonard Dates as well, but probably more on him as we progress through the tournament. Yeah, again, chat room. Um, let's just lose this a second, so we'll come back on. We can put that back up as and when. Who else caught your eye? Chat room in the opening round. Do you know what? The averages, are just looking at those numbers, don't suggest it. But it's hard not to give praise to Keith Deller here. Because he started very, very brightly against Mike Huntley, took his eye off the ball against a player who is playing week in, week out regularly. We've seen him at the Super Series. We've seen him pick up titles on the floor. To hold his composure from being behind in the final set as we went into tiebreaker situation multiple times was very, very enjoyable to watch in an atmosphere that Mike Huntley brought a shitload of people with him to come and watch that game. Della did the same as well. And it, it, it wasn't the best performance you're going to see from either of them in terms of level of quality in the game but actually it was quite enjoyable to watch from the outside as well the misses were all at the same time it got to them both at the same time I thought that was a really really entertaining encounter someone doesn't want to be on Della's list of names when he wins next time does he oh no you wait to the next round you wait to the next round I, 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 I was going to say let's be fair Della wasn't very happy was he walking around the venue he wasn't at all. He was very pumped up. I know we saw that last year. The, the, um, the, the, the thing is, though, and, and this isn't just a, a jibe at Keith here, because I see Premier League players at the moment and other PDC players doing the same. Whether whether it's us giving an opinion here or other people like Nico when he writes for Sporting Life or Matt Edgar when he does his show or whoever, we're allowed to give opinions. And we're just giving our opinion. It doesn't make us right. It doesn't make us wrong. But Keith, look, let, let's be fair. Keith took massive umbrage to what Nico and Edgar said. But we said the same. He obviously just didn't listen to our show. 
But based on the darts we'd seen, we all made Mike Huntley favourite for that game. So did the bookmakers. Some had him at one to nine. It, it, this, this is what I mean. <laughs> so people just that, need that's to... not dis, that's not disrespectful for somebody giving an opinion when a bookmaker's got somebody that heavily favourite. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, again, not this isn't just key. This is just players in general because we've seen Aspinall and Joe Cullen at the match play last year when they were written off by um, pre-tournament previews and stuff like that. People just need to take a just a step back. and. But looking at that, Phil, some people might actually want that as their motivation. Like speaking to, speaking to Stop Mitchell, Stop Mitchell hated the fact he was coming into this tournament as one of the favourites. He wanted the flip of it. He wanted people to be saying, you, you're not going to win, you're underdog, you're 33s, you're out, you've got no chance. And some people probably want that. And, and some people that motivated by the, the fact of they're being slabbed off or written off. And yeah, we was, I'm sure all three of us, if I remember right, bat Huntley, someone yeah. who put two weeks off work to, to just focus on the game and yeah, probably didn't deliver what we'd seen him do to qualify, but I think the players want that from some from um, from some pundits and some people just so they can get that extra motivation. I think Della was certainly one of them who used it to his advantage. Yeah, um, evening, Pete. Hope you are good. Birthday boy over the weekend. Mixed emotions. Spurs were shit. Darts were good, and it was your birthday. So. <laughs> He got on the stage at the end, bless him. We yeah. watched the clip back at the end. We saw him on the stage, enjoying every moment of it. <laughs> um, um, Lee Lee says as well, yeah, it, it, it was a bit frosty on stage between the pair. Not as frosty as it was between Scott Mitchell and Peter Manley, which was just thoroughly entertaining, despite the fact Manley had... It was never really in that match, was he? Let's be fair, but and it, it did get to Scott Mitchell. There's absolutely no way it didn't. Asking him to undo his water bottle when he first walked on stage and all sorts. Even Scott in his post-match interview goes, "I've been friends for a long, long time, but I've just had to listen to him for four and a half hours every time he's at a good score. He's told me about." <laughs> oh, let, let's be fair. Manly started the shithousery from very early on, as in the very first opportunity, and I'm all for it. I mean, we saw it firsthand in the hole, didn't we? A couple of times. He walked past us in the, um, in press, the press room. room and just went, oh, I'm going to have a party comfortably. Bookies have got this so wrong. Went to extra legs. Wasn't comfortable at all. Just walked back past us and went, told you. Now I'm going to go work on Taylor. I yeah. went straight into the practice room and started giving him some abuse. So, look, he's, he's, he's quite... He's so intelligent with the way that he does it. Yeah. Oh, it's it's... It's brilliant. I'm not not even going to lie that I'm I'm a huge fan of it, and I'd like to see more pros do it as well. Hundred percent, hundred percent. That that moment just went on for a long time, a very long time. And <clears throat> looking back at it, and even speaking to start afterwards, I was still unsure at the time who was at fault because it just seemed like there was both confused. But it was just manly at his best, wasn't it? Playing that sort of the mind tricks and it it worked a treat at that moment because uh, I believe Manly then went on and won that lead. Um, so for that time it did work a treat, but Mitchell's just up too much quality. This week in Glasgow, I would love Dimitri Vandenberg to walk over to Peter Wright and ask him to undo his bottle of water. 
Um, right, so the yeah, first rounds, there are there are our picks and our, our standouts. Look, second round, there were question marks around Robert Thornton going in to the World Seniors. He didn't play well at the Super Series. He went to the Open Series and was ordinary. But the way he played against Scott Mitchell <coughs> cast those doubts aside. excellent. He's fallen in love with tops again. It, the entire weekend, it felt like it was just at the end of his arm whenever he needed it. It was just relentless on that segment. The treble 20 hitting was superb. Um, he was so much more animated and fired up this weekend than I think I've ever seen him before as well. And and that was something that was really quite telling for a player that was adamant he was going to Q school last year to, to turn up, be fired up, put in those performances. He still hasn't lost the first set in any seniors world championship match he's played in in two years now and, and that that's some going from him and to do that against Scott Mitchell as well is is solid work from him. Yeah. Um look three nil doesn't do Scott Mitchell justice because he was in the game but Thornton won all the big moments Lee. Yeah it was nine five I believe on Lens and that's what sets to do to someone it made yeah. the storyline look like it's a one way. Um but the first one, I believe Mitchell went two up and then Thornton reeled off three, um, which he did later on. And then Painter, he got through the second one and then by that stage, it seemed to be game over. But at that point, I had written probably Robert off to win the tournament. At that point, that changed. That moment, getting over the line, Stop Mitchell was expected to win by quite a few players because of his previous performance on the Pro Tour. That was probably the time, which is mad to say, considering he was current world champion already, but that was the time where people, I think, were starting to believe that Thornton was certainly in the mix to delve very deep. Yeah, I, I'm i fully with you there. Um, look, Neil Duff was very, very comfortable against Keith. There's There's levels to it and one, thing did, one thing we didn't mention because we seem less of it in this game, we seemed a little less trot on the yeah, yeah. <laughs> than what um, we saw in game one for Della. Yeah, the old chalk gate. <laughs> Just like he's about to do and play cricket with it with the uh, uh the Matt, Ward, Matt Ward social media post is up there with the one of the very best <laughs> I've seen. <laughs> what was it? When you got the seniors at four and bowling in the ashes at eight or whatever it was. Yeah. Right right up there. <laughs> um, but in, in terms of the game, Neil was just a, a class above Keith. Keith gave it everything, but in just in terms of, of levels, the, the Duff man was just a class above. Yeah, and it's the ability that we knew that he could bring to this tournament as well. Another player that was perhaps gone under the radar a little bit up until this up until this tournament as well. Like added in as the WF world champion, but not really spoken about as a, a contender or a threat placed in an awkward part of the draw. But, but that was a solid victory against Keith. He, he come out, got the job done. Keith was again very fired up, very animated, um, ready to, to go and do battle once again. But he just didn't lay a glove on Neil in this encounter really. Uh, how are we doing weekly darts cast? Hope you are good. Um 
then Dubbridge Jenkins, again, just a very good game. Um, look, Terry can still play. We've seen that when he's gone out and played in some of the ADC events recently. But Mark Dubbridge, the throw just looks as good as ever. Yeah, very much so. Probably for me, because we haven't seen much of him, the surprise package for the weekend was Mark Dubbridge. Not the fact that he won the games that he has done, but the manner of the performances he's probably putting in throughout the weekend um, were very, very impressive. And hopefully there's an awful lot to come now for Mark Dubbridge the rest of the year on the seniors tour because he was very good throughout. And to beat Terry Jenkins 3-1, as we've saw TJ a lot more recently than we had Dubbridge, just shows how impressive that Flash has been. Yeah, completely. Um, and then Kevin Painter, 3-0 over Dennis Harbour. I was impressed with KP's stage attitude in this. And what I mean by that is Dennis Harbour is not the easiest player to play. And we've seen Kevin lose his temper and get animated at the back of the stage, Gob. But he kept his composure so, so well. And Gob's frozen. Oh, no, he's back. Is he? Has he moved? I'm back. <laughs> yeah, I did drop. I'm um, back at the tavern. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the way Kev kept his composure was, was unreal. Yeah, and I think that showed the focus he approached this tournament with. He's, as a character and as a personality, it feels like he's mellow a lot and he is there for the enjoyment. But actually, there is that focus and he does have his routines and the way that he likes to go about his business and certain visits etc and the fact that he stuck to that played his own game didn't get caught up Dennis Harbour is very very capable as well as being quite difficult to play against he was banging in 90 pluses for fun um at the qualifiers in November so he is an incredibly tricky opponent to take on but that was superb from Kevin Painter who seemed to love going 2-0 down in the opening set to recover to 3-2 it seemed to be his MO for the week yeah, absolutely. Um, then Phil Taylor against Darren Johnson again. We didn't really speak about Colin McGarry and Phil Taylor, but Colin and Darren will both feel there's a missed opportunity there because Phil was nowhere near at his best and both had chances and you just felt that they both started to think about what they were possibly about to do and beat Phil Taylor. Yeah, Tolin, it seemed more so than Darren um, in the first round. Tolin had the opportunities um, more so with DJ. That all started very on. DJ obviously come through his time very on and was very much, I'm not going to be playing Taylor in the second round. Um, Adem was speaking very much and trying to build up, trying to pass that he wasn't going to be playing Taylor and expected Tolin to come through. Then we saw more of him on social media. So straight away, in, from DJ's perspective, you can see that Phil Taylor's in his mind without Phil Taylor doing anything whatsoever. Um, and I think we saw that in that second round, Dane, um, with Phil just doing enough. But an opportunity there for both of them to, to get rid of the power. Um, our pleasure, Stinger B. Our pleasure. Um, then... What a game this was. Richie Housen and, and Andy Jenkins. It looked as if Housen was plain sailing. And then 
something remarkable from Jenks going back into the game. And that celebration is something that will live long in the memory. It feels like you almost get handed a script when you go on stage against Richie House. And that at some point, when he's sat on a very makeable finish to win a set or to win to, to win a leg or something, you're going to bang in a ridiculous checkout because we saw it from Wolfie last year and it continued to happen in this tournament. And that 1 4 2 from Jenks, I think he missed the ball for the 1 30 as well. But there was just, it just felt like it was going to go. There was just a hush in the tavern as everybody looked and went, Oh, we've seen this before. Oh, we've seen this before. And it just so happens to be every single time Richie Housen has stood behind an opponent. Um, superb from Andy Jenkins. He's been doing stuff like that on the floor all season. He's been very unlucky to have not made a seniors TV tournament before this. Um, but if he keeps playing the way that he has been, especially in that first round, um, and better, then we'll see more of him this year. Yeah. Um, and then, this is the best performance at the World Seniors World Championship. Leonard Gates defeated Martin Adams 3-0, 96.90 average, boys. And at that point, Soldier had the tavern rocking. <laughs> he did. Uh, I think, obviously, when you have a tournament and it's you've got invited players... There's always going to be that debate about should they be invited, shouldn't they be. If there's one name that answered that question about someone being invited, it was Leonard Data, then Martin Adams. He was fantastic. I think there was only one led in each of the sets where he didn't win it in less than five visits. It was just great throughout, not just while he was throwing the darts, but his stage presence, his interviews his dance moves, there was just everything that just got the tavern on his side and it was just fantastic. I don't think Martin Adams did a lot run. He didn't play to the level that Martin Adams can play that got him to the final last year, but he didn't do an awful lot run. But Leonard Dates' Dublin was just ridiculous. It was so good and hopefully we'll see a lot more of, of Leonard Dates. Yeah, and then we had an absolute war of attrition between John Part and Daryl Fitton. Um, Daryl Fitton coming out on top 3-2. Um, I was impressed by Fitton's character. Yeah, and this perhaps is shown a little bit more when we start talking about the quarterfinals, about just how difficult an opponent Fitton had already faced up until that moment. His, his first round game against Les Wallace was very much a struggle. It wasn't a great match at all, but Les Wallace isn't very quick. He doesn't like to get into much of a rhythm. Then you look at John Part, and actually he's not that quick either. There's definitely a hesitancy he gets to the hockey, sets himself. Then he's got the set in motion of his dart a couple of times. So perhaps maybe we, we underestimated Daryl Gates, this uh, Daryl Fitton this weekend. Um, his walk-on is one of the most watched clips we put out on social media this weekend. It's absolutely superb. Um, but yeah, look, to, to, to fight back and, and to push up against John Parler, that was, was superb. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on, quarterfinals. It's not the order they happened, but we'll go in draw bracket order. Robert Thornton against Neil Duff. What a game. And the way Robert Thornton started this game... Raced into a two-set lead, averaging near on 107. 
at that point. It was just, well, it was the best set we saw with the first one was, what, 107 point. Five or point six or something ridiculous. There was not a lot that Neil could do, and that two set lead was the difference in the day. There was just too much for Neil to do with Thornton's finishing being as it was. Um, the best performance we've seen at the seniors ever from an individual is probably it's certainly in the mix. Um, it was just too good, it was it would have been too strong for anyone, I think, in that quarter final. Yeah, and obviously Neil hung around and was chatting and, and whatever, and he just said, look, he just did me. Just couldn't get near him early on and then just kept me at arm's length. Um, so, yeah, look, kudos. What a game that was. Then Kevin Payner against Mark Dubridge. Again, another one that I thoroughly enjoyed this game. It was swings and roundabouts. It was nip and tuck. It was, it was tight, but Kevin Painter found some big answers when he was asked questions by Mark Dubridge. Yeah, the back and forth in this one was probably the most intriguing part about it. Again, look, both players, high 80s averages, just under the 90 mark, but it was the little reactions. They weren't big, overzealous celebrations. There was a little shoulder movements and fist pumps every time that something went each of their players' way, and it just built really, really nicely as a match, and it was really entertaining to watch, especially as where we were in the venue, we were sat behind where the players' family were. So they were looking at them. And obviously, we were a tier just above and behind them. So we can see those reactions directly at us at every moment. And and every single one of them was was really interesting to watch. And that was a big win for Kevin Payne. He runs into Thornton in the semis shortly, granted. But to, to come through that, a solid test again from Kevin Payne was, was top work from him. Yeah, absolutely. Then... Richie Halson defeated Phil Taylor. And the atmosphere for this game was electric. Look, Richie Halson lives five, six minutes away from the tavern. He bought his local team, his fishing mates, you name it. They were there. And we had walking in a house in Wonderland, bellowing around the circus tavern. And let's be brutally honest, he outplayed Phil Taylor in this game. Yes, throughout the day. And there seemed to be a few... Nerves early on, I'm sure Richard admit to that. There seems to be nerves early on, but that is playing Phil Taylor sort of at your home ground. Yeah, it was a strange atmosphere. So, I've, I've, it's you, you maybe have a broad Phil, but I can't remember at the time where we've been watching a Phil Taylor game and there's more fans at Ensville than what are for him. And it I'm, was just very strange that that happened. I'm going to um, show my age here because you two won't remember it. The only time I can remember it was at the Tavern when he played Bristow in the semi-finals. And I'm not going to lie, it was one of the best atmospheres still I have ever been to. It was unreal that Phil looked as if he'd won it and Bristow took out, I think it was 1-4-1 to send us to a final set. I genuinely thought the roof was coming off the place. It was unreal. But that's the only time I I can remember. There were, there was moments of that on on Sunday afternoon. For that to be the the opener on Sunday to start the quarterfinals off was just ridiculous from an atmosphere perspective. It was just it was just great throughout, and and Richie stepped up to the mark with the fans on his side. I think yeah. we've done Taylor a little bit of an injustice there. That first set, I thought it was brilliant. 
Yes, there were nerves from Richie. It definitely took him a while to settle. He was very emotional pretty much all day. But that first set, Taylor was brilliant. Yeah. But first set's not enough. No, no, granted. But we just said Richie dominated the match start to finish. He didn't. The first set, I think even he will admit, it was absolutely nowhere near him. Um, And then in the final one, this was closer than what I thought. And from what we'd seen in the previous rounds, most people thought that Nana Gates was going to rock up and and do this one quite comfortably. But Daryl Fitton played his part in a damn good game. <coughs> and this is where my point about the pace of the other matches and his opponents comes into play. Because when somebody, when he comes up against somebody who just gets on with it, i.e. Lena Gate, he produced eight maximums. He was allowed to get into a rhythm. Daryl Fitton actually outscored Lena Gates for a large part of this game, despite the fact he finishes seven points lower in the averages. He just missed that many darts at a double. He let it slip. He should have led this match 2-0. That second set was 1-3-1, but he should have won it 3-0 himself. He missed darts in both of those legs at 66 and tops, I think it was. He should have led this match 2-0. And he let it slip and he let it get away from him. And that would have been a real big... I don't think anything else in the tournament, per se, has been an upset. And I don't think we tend to get massive upsets at the seniors just yet because there are some disparities in ability or, or quality or how regularly players play. You get some brutally tough draws that you think, oh, that's a bit harsh, and split it, and it, it's not an upset if it goes either way. You don't tend to get upsets, per se. You just get drawn into a tough part of the draw, and we let the carnage unfold once the quarterfinals onwards occurs. That was very close to an upset, despite it saying 3-1. Agreed. Uh, semi-finals, Robert Thornton 3-0 over Kevin Painter. And this one all goes back to the first set. Kevin Painter led 2-0, took out, was it 1-6-7 and 1-3-4? The... 1-6-7 yeah. one, one, yeah. led 2-0 and then lost the set. And mentally, I don't think he recovered from that blow. And, and from there, Thornton won all the big battles. Yeah, spot on that. The start to the game was ridiculous. The the, the Tevin Painter strut we saw early on. Prancing like a peacock. <laughs> but that just shows the resilience of Robert Thornton. Because a lot of players, seeing Painter taking them finishes out in the first two legs, I think would have just sort of did up on that set. That set's done and we'll concentrate and we'll do with any set to Robin Fo- Rob Fulton was having absolutely none of it. And um, if, if running some sensational darts and I think he, was it 11 or a 12 in the, in the last leg? Something like that. Yeah. See, it was, it was just incredible by uh, Fulton to, to win that set. And that seemed to just set it up for the rest of the day. But it was a very, very good tie. And then, the second semi-final, it, we all said it was at 50-51. And it, again, it, it was close. But Richie Housen won the big moments. Leonard Gates missed a couple of key doubles. Housen punished for a 3-1 win and booked his place in the final. Yeah, and it was after the break where Housen found his scoring boots, which has been a real asset of his on-the-floor event. If that first dart lies in the bottom of that treble, he is absolutely relentless. I've seen him go back-to-back a couple of times. We haven't had a World Seniors darts, nine darter yet, but he is one player that I'm looking at going, he is very, very capable of producing that on the tour. Um, 
scoring was superb and his finishing came to play in that match because that's where Leonard had done everybody else. That's where playing week in, week out in the CDC, recently playing on the PDC World Championship, winning the US Darts Masters, that's where all that comes to the, the forte and, and Richie turned up in that game. So the second seniors world final was Robert Thornton, the number one seed against the qualifier in Richie Housen. And the way the game went, it was Thornton got in front uses experience and just kept Richie at arm's length at all times. Once he had that lead, you just felt he managed the game so well. His ball management, his game management was absolutely on point. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think I think Thornton knew that as well, that getting the lead was so important. Dob mentioned the, the fact around him winning the opening set in, in all his world championship ties in the seniors. If you watch back the first leg, the second leg that he won, the reaction to winning that and getting over the line in that first set, Thornton knew how important it was to get the opening one because how loud did it have been all weekend, the house and fan club that Thornton had to get an early lead and then it was about using his experience to, to get over the line. Yeah. Also, one funny moment was when Thornton absolutely miscounted and gave it big licks <laughs> and then realised what he'd done. We, we, we were all laughing. Yeah, look, there was a few moments like that throughout the weekend and I'm sure we're going to put together some little compilation of miscounts because there were some quite amusing ones. When you've got Lenny Gates in the tournament, you're guaranteed to get a couple. John Park miscounting was perhaps the most surprising thing of the weekend. I feel sorry for Charlie because he was referee on both of those. and he's, After the part one, it was like, Hang on, don't do this to me again on TV. Because yeah. <laughs> Thornton was so convinced. And that roar was so loud as well. Um, it, it was just mad. But look, he would have taken some stopping. And I think the Malmö Bartrins juice will, will totally agree with us. Yeah, and as if by magical timing, we are joined by the one and only Mr. Richie Housen, losing out in the final yesterday. Uh, Richie, first of all, thanks for joining us. And nearly 24 hours on, have you taken it all in? Uh, good evening, guys. Um, yeah, I've uh, just before I come on, I was watching me game back against Phil because when you get as old as I do, you forget what happened, so you have to <laughs> have to relook at it and see what happened. So um, yes, yeah, so I was watching that, and uh, it's been a bit surreal, really. I spent nearly all day reading messages and and everything, but it's been great. Yeah, I mean, look, I've spent so much time on on the tour. I went as well. The run here was was so well deserved, mate, but. Let's go back to the Phil game to start with. Playing him in that venue, his his den effectively. Look, he's got Blackpool as well, but where he was so successful in the World Championship, living five minutes away from the venue, there must have been things that you dreamed of, mate. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I'll I'll be totally honest with you. I didn't know, I didn't actually really think I might be playing him in the in the quarterfinals. Because um, like a lot of people, I thought Colin had a massive chance in the in the first round, and I even thought Darren would have a good chance against him. Although Darren hasn't been playing his, his best starts lately, but I still think he'd have enough to get over. Um, so when I finally watched it and um, and see Phil got through, obviously you're thinking about it. And, and uh, But I'll be honest with you, I wasn't... I know I heard you say about the nerves in that first set, but I wasn't really nervous. It was just I could not find my throw up there. I just went up there and and it just wasn't there for that first set. And, and and to be fair, if you watch back, as I say, I only watched it just before I come on, Phil Phil was, was good. He was good in that first set. A few loose ones, but a lot of his darts was like the old Phil. And, and 
And I, I was a bit worried because you, you give him a bit of confidence and if he builds on that, he, he's going to tear you a new one. Uh, Richie, how, how much playing Phil Taylor did it play on your mind? Because we know the, the, the thought of it, you spoke about it, obviously, leading up to the match we were interviewing with Helen. But how much, how much when you, you're on the stage and you hear the wart on, how much is that then playing on your mind that you're about to compete with the, the greatest of all time? To be honest, Lee, um, not as much as you think it would, really. If it had been 10 years ago, I, I would have probably been, I'd have had to wear a nappy up there, to be honest with you. <laughs> but um, but we, we all know Phil's not playing like he did. And and, and as, as Jack will tell you, you're to, I've been playing some really good darts lately and, and I've, I've really fancied my chances. So I wasn't overawed or, as I say, 10 years ago, I, I, would, I would have really cacked it. But I really fancied my chances, to be honest. Yeah, Richie, what well. was it like on the Sunday afternoon when you're on stage and they're all singing, walking around House of Wonderland, around the Circus Tavern? Because we've heard it sung for Phil so many times, but to have you you put in that situation, what was that like? Well, it's, it's quite surreal, really. I mean, I'm just, a, as I told you before, I'm just a pub player having a good run, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not used to things like that, to be honest. Phil's heard it millions of times, but uh, it, it's, it's great. As I said to Ellen, everybody likes a pat on the back now and then if you're doing well, and, and to have all them people supporting you, it's a, it's a massive pat on the back, and, and it gives you loads of confidence, it really does. But... It's, it comes with the pressure as well of, of not wanting to let people down and you've got all your friends and family there and, and he's had pressure. Now, had, they, had they given you the heads up that you were in Blackpool before the TV draw? Did you find that there and then? It was Yeah, that was quite funny because I was, I was up in, the, um, up in the, the players' lounge on my own and Jason Tame was there and I was sitting down. I couldn't see the television. And as I got up to, to go to the board... The draw came up on the on the telly, and Jason said to me, "Oh, by the way, I can't lie to you now. You're in because it was on the television." So yeah, it was a bit. I don't of, think you're going to wait until afterwards in case it affected your game. I went yeah, to think... Obviously, they couldn't see the draw in the, in the arena. But I was like, "Lynn, the good news is he's in Blackpool." So they hadn't told him that. I was like, "Don't think so." But yeah, no. I found is, out. The draw news is a rematch with Thornton, no matter what happens now. Looking back, mate, the only players that have beaten you on TV, you've then avenged this season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, it's it's great to just have another crack at Rob. To be honest with you, he's he's a different class when he's when he's on form, as as we know, he's he's at a different level to to a lot of us. But um, he's not unbeatable, and uh, and I will be looking forward to having another go at him. But it was it was quite strange knowing I'm playing him in the final, and and then all of a sudden I get drawn against him straight away. So. <laughs> Yeah, but it's all good. It's, and to be fair, it's a, it's a tough half of the draw as well because the winner of us two, um, I think it's Cameron or, or Kev. So it is quite a tough half, really. So, yeah. Don't do anything by halves, mate. You know that by now. Talk us through the decision to stay in a hotel because for those that, well, it was one of the most used lines of the weekend that, that Richie lives five minutes away from the Circus Tavern, but you did book yourself into a hotel for the weekend. I'm not sure everybody would have been aware of that. So just, just talk us through the thought process in doing that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds a bit strange. And uh, it's not because the hotel's only two minutes from me home and I'm lazy. <laughs> it's the fact that 
you, you go and play the tour all year and you go, and I've been on the, the, the Motor Super Series a few times and you, you're away from home, you stay in a hotel, you get yourself into a routine, how you're going to do things and what you eat. And, and, and also, if I'm at home, uh, I've got the little stresses of like, family. My mum lives with me and um, or cats. And it's just, I know it sounds stupid, it's all them little extra things you, you think about and, and you don't really want to think about them when you're, you're getting ready for a tournament. So book into a hotel, do your routine uh, and just do the same as every, every time, if that Richie, makes sense. Richie, you mentioned, obviously, these are your words, that you're a pub player who's just in very good form. <laughs> We're obviously all disagreeing with that, considering you know world <laughs> championship finalists. But looking, looking back at your tournaments, just running through your averages, it goes from eighty-four to eighty-six to eighty-seven to eighty-nine to then ninety in the final. Obviously, your floor um, over the past time, over the past year and a half, has just been ridiculous and number one in the order of merit. But playing more and more on the stage, was you getting more comfortable as the weekend goes on? Yeah, I think so. As I say, I, I, I feel like I feel like I played my B game really the whole way through the tournament. Um, I've been playing a lot, lot better than that, to be fair. But it it really is different when you're up on that stage and you've got the crowd so close to you, and, and they're even down the sides of the stage at the tavern, so you can see them out of your eye line. And so I, I probably shouldn't think I'm going to go up there and, and be hitting high nineties, which I've been doing because it is a different atmosphere, and and sometimes it's just about playing to win whatever, however you play. You, you try and play the player, uh, how they're playing. You've got to step up to play better than them or the same as them. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'll probably, probably say I'm playing my B game, but it's probably a, a, a bit of an A stage game, really, if that makes makes any sense at all. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's look ahead to the year ahead. Obviously, you are in Blackpool now already into the champion of champions. Number one on the order of merit from the tour ranking system. Second on the money list overall of, of any player, the only player that's better off than you is Robert Thornton. He has won three out of five titles. I mean, you're nicely placed to make a few more TV appearances as well, mate, aren't you? Oh, that's that's my aim, Jack, to be honest with you. I mean, this is what we do it for. I'm not going on there to to, to go and have a jolly up every every week and have a drink with me, mate. So I want to get on the telly, I want to play in these tournaments, I want to win money, I want to win titles, and and it's only hard work and that, that, that does that. And, and if they come, I'm going to be a, an happy boy. And if they don't, then I'll just try and work harder and, and see if I can get there. But at the moment, everything's going really, really well. And um, long may it continue. Just, just away from the seniors, Richard, just for people who don't know, how much darts are you playing? So obviously we see you in all the open events. We see you at the seniors events. And hopefully with you on there, we'll see you in the TV events for the rest of this year. But what other darts are you playing away from the seniors? Um, I, I, I still play County for Essex, which I, I've, a lot of people say, why are you still playing County for? It's because I really enjoy it. I, it's, it's a great team um, bonding every month. And uh, I play with like, mate Keegan, King Brown, obviously he plays for us at Essex as well. We're doing really well. The, the men's A are top of the, the country's averages in, in the Premier League. So we've got a chance of winning that, which hasn't been done by an Essex team since Kev Painter and... and Mardor then was in it in 2000, I think. So it's really enjoyable. So I'm playing the county. I'm playing my Super League every week. Um, a few open tournaments when there's when there's no seniors on. And, and I'm practising a lot as well. I'm probably doing a good couple of hours a day when I can. At least a good couple of hours a day. As I say, but you, you only get out what you put in. And 
And I see so many youngsters have got so much talent, but they just don't want to put the hard work in. And, and I think you need both, to be honest. I like that. That's a, that's a really good line because we were talking about this the other day that too many youngsters now think they're Michael Van Gerwen and Gary Anderson before they've done their apprenticeship. Mm, that's right, definitely. I mean, Michael Michael didn't get as good as he did by just raw talent. I bet he put that, was on that board all the time when he was younger. And um, and I think they all are like. There's not many people that can go up there and play the, the standard Dutch stand to play now without having to put the hard work in. Um, couple on whilst what are you playing? Are you going to do any WDF stuff this year, Richie? Is that on the radar? No, the only the only one I'll do if if it's on is the Andy Ford and Viking Cup Memorial, which I won in October. Uh, and to, to win that was was massive for me. It, it just meant so much, and and so I'd love to go and try and defend that. It was a, it was a really good field there. Like people like Neil Duff, and and there's just loads of people there. So I'd like to do that, but no, it's not really coming to my mind to to do that at all. To be honest, another one coming back. Obviously, uh, Andy says love for it. He says, do you ever regret not having a proper run in the PDC? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, who wouldn't? The, the, with me, what it was, I asked. Didn't start really playing darts till I was 42. And uh, I think I got my tour card after about two or three years of playing. And I didn't really know much about everything. And, and I went there to ask the people, saying, yeah, go Q school. Go. I went there, got my card on the first day. And then the next two years just went flying by. And I didn't, I probably didn't get to embrace it and, and realise what it was all about. And, and it was too late then. And I tried to get it back and it, it's never happened. So, yeah, I do, of course, I do regret being not, not got, Doing a bit better on on the tour, really, but um, it's, it's gone now. I'm I'm too old to go back. There's too many youngsters hitting 110 averages and, and 119 averages this weekend. So, do you yeah. not fancy having one more one more go at it? Well, I, I never say never, but pro- probably not. Probably not. I'm I'm really enjoying the seniors, and I, I won't want to go and get me card and then not be out playing this and then get bashed up every week. And, and also the pressure of Q score. I've done it quite a few times and it's the worst four or five days of playing darts I've ever played in so much pressure and and so no I, I really don't think that's for me anymore this is a man who three world yeah. championship qualifiers by the way saying that pressure <laughs> <laughs> um, Sam's also asking oh wrong one that moved we'll come to you in a minute Pete where did the owl nickname come from do you know what? I really I need to make up a really good, funny, interesting answer for that because there isn't one. <laughs> one of the, one of the guys at County, I don't know why he did it. He started calling me the owl, and it just stuck, and and nobody really knows why. So I think of a really good, exciting <laughs> answer, and I'll, I'll start using that one. <laughs> yeah, um, Pete's obviously in the chat room. He wants you for the Premier League. Bye, Pete. Richie, yeah, good. did you see Richie's post when he wasn't picked this year, by the way? <laughs> I, think, you know, I think Pete's a very wise man. <laughs> and also and also he's taking me West Ham Spurs on Sunday, so I'm looking forward to that with him. So whatever oh, Pete says is true. He was next to me on Thursday and said he was only doing that if you won the tournament. Oh yeah, well. I nearly, I nearly won it. <laughs> He's going I can to have heart, Richie, say, because I've sat in Pete's seat, you will have the best view in the house. Brilliant. Absolutely That's great. unreal. Thanks, Pete. You will absolutely <laughs> enjoy that one. Um, speaking of being, we'll, we'll, we'll do some football with you. Your beloved West Ham, are you are you Moise in or Moise out? 
Uh, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> it's an it's an odd one, really. I mean, you can't you, you can't really slate him for it. He has done for us over the last couple of years. Um, so I'd probably still stick with him for a little while, and I'll probably get a lot of stick from that from from quite a few of the, the Amers fans. But I'd probably stick with him for a little while longer. Fair one. <laughs> Uh, Richie, absolute pleasure having you on, mate. And I know it was it was fresh and a little bit raw, but thanks for coming on so soon after the yesterday, mate. We massively appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, guys. See you no in Blackpool, problem. mate. See you in Blackpool. See yes, you will do. You will do. Thanks very much, Richie House and thanks everyone. Lot. Cheers, fellas. The one, the only, Mr. Richie House. And it, refreshing to hear as well. Said some really good things, boys, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, very much so. It foot double say better than me around the what he's done for the uh, in the qualifiers, but generally he's just a top bloke who has used this as a fresh lease of life for his dieting career on on TV. And my god, every chance he's at, he's taking it. Yeah, right. We've got some reaction from the seniors to play. First of all, we'll do the winning interview from Mr Thornton. To be honest with you, it's massive. Well, I'll tell you why. Because that's the very first TV tournament I've actually defended and won. So it makes it extra special. And it ranks at the top. The very top? The very top, mate. Makes it special because I defended it. Just beaming, isn't he? The, the 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 pride in his voice with with that and having his grand grandkids there that drove through the night to, to to come and come and see him you can just see what that meant to him one one thing just to add as well don't remember is Robert Thornton didn't go to Tewstall in January because he wanted to defend this title he, he turned down an opportunity I know we asked Richie around it but Robert Thornton decided that he wanted to defend the title and to have that moment on Sunday with his family will make that decision totally worthwhile. Yeah. Um, well, the thing that justifies it is you look at the money list, he's earned 70 grand from the seniors in 12 months and a couple of weeks. 70 grand. And there's three more TV events to come, which he's in all of them. Yeah. We've got a couple here. We'll do Kevin Painter first. Um, when he walked on stage in this shirt, a lot of eyebrows raised um, with the Bristow Memorial shirt, and this is him explaining it. Oh, of course, listen, Eric's a legend. Uh, loved him. He was one of my best mates. Um, listen, I, I, if it wasn't for Eric, I wouldn't have even picked up the dart, you know, back in the day. So, uh, no, it's just a nice thing to, uh, like you say, a tribute. And, um, yeah, really pleased to uh, put his shirt on and uh, obviously win while I'm wearing it. <laughs> He'd love this seniors concept, wouldn't he? Oh, listen, this would have been Eric all over, you know. Um, it's a shame that they, this weren't going on when Eric, you know, was still still around, bless him. But, um, oh, he would have loved this. And if he wasn't even playing in it, he would have loved all the, you know, the, the surroundings of it and everything. Yeah, he'd have loved this. He would. Nice touch from, from KP. Yeah, one of a couple. Darren Johnson obviously wore the, the Dennis Priestley shirt as well, very close to him, lived in the in the same area, Yorkshire. So, look, another thing that comes along is you don't get that at the PDC. You're not about to see Barney rock up in 
don't know, co-stomp t-shirt or anything like that anytime soon. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're just not going to get that. Whereas we get those moments at the seniors. And um, the other one was Mr. Mr. Taylor after the Darren Johnson game. He's good. He's good. I thought when he was talking the talk, I think then, I think you're going to get the pressure on you a little bit. And then, and I knew from the very beginning, you're under pressure. And then he had some good scores and he had a lot of bad scores. But he was under pressure. Did he have it? But he wasn't as good as the fellow what actually owns the shirt. Dennis was a, a lot better player than he was, trust me. I think so. I think so. Of course it does. Now, I'm a big scalp, I suppose, even at my age. When I play John Lowe, he's a big scalp. Do you know what I mean? I still get a big kick out of playing Barney. I get a big kick out of playing John Lowe. You know, he, anybody, Bob Anderson. The names, you know, they're, they're ex-world champions. I love Phil. <laughs> he wasn't, wasn't as good as the guy that owned the shirt. Still plays the game, doesn't he? He, know, he knows. Um, Lee, um, I think it was Robert's wife who was very, very ill a few years ago. Um, Robert's been okay. His, his wife was was very very poorly at one point, but she's now back on the mend and, and in good health, which is which is good. Um, Johnny, I agree with you on this one. It is the best trophy in darts. I'll tell you what, I do agree. Fucking heavy. Yeah, it's the man that had to carry it from the stage downstairs up to <coughs> where we interviewed him, where it was next to him in that clip. Then, yeah. I, yeah, I only had to play. I only had to play security for about one minute the whole weekend, and Dob, I had no interest in securing you. I was just securing that trophy because it is absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I've only, only known one trophy heavier, and that was the original Sid Wardell trophy. The new one is nowhere near as heavy, but the original one was ridiculous to the point it almost gave Gary Anderson a hernia. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you look back at the two um, times Robert Thornton lifts the trophy, the first one seems a lot more difficult because he's realised the second time round now every is because he does it properly this time. <laughs> if, if the first one's a bit on the side, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was the World Seniors and Champion of Champions returns in the first one in March at Viva in Blackball. Tickets are available. Links are on the Viva website and at dartshop.tv and the senior site, Gob? No, just Viva this time. You can, you can get there via the senior site, but it will. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, so tickets are still available for that. And there was a question. I'm going to go back before we move on. 
Um, where are we? This one here from Pete. God, you can explain. Golden Ticket is just a, a fancy name for a qualifier. Every other qualifying event we've had has been over a weekend and there's been multiple chances. This is a straight-up one-time event. The winner takes a spot on TV the following day against Phil Taylor. I think that, that's the that's the bit that's selling. In fact, it's the next day. When normally there's a qualifier and you have to wait. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wait, that, wait. You, you qualify, you're on TV the next day. Yeah. And I think what some people, some of the players get confused about as well is because of the journey to travel for a one-off qualifier, there's going to be floor events over the weekend as well. The, the venue's big enough to have a separate room. So um, on the Friday afternoon, we'll have the, the golden ticket qualifier. So by six o'clock on Friday evening, we will know who will play Phil Taylor. After that, there'll be an open series, which is a floor event, basically a, a pro tour for, for want of a better word. And then on Saturday evening, once the TV scheduling is finished for the day, uh, the same will happen. We'll have an open series on the Saturday night as well. So they're just ranked floor events. The, I'd, I'd add to that, Phil. The the selling point, obviously, and the big selling point is playing Phil Taylor. The second part to that is playing on terrestrial TV. So it'll be on Channel 5, and that is going to be huge for, for anyone who's playing the viewing audience. You'd expect to be, be that. So that is also the, the second aspect. But yeah, the draw worked out perfectly that it's it's Phil Taylor for the Dalton ticket winner. Yeah, quick one as well. Who could get invited? Look, there's two standout names that are 50 this year. However, I think both would turn down an invite. One would. Who's your second? I'm not sure Lloydie plays. No, maybe not. Uh, I think Hendo's a, a standout name, though. If you listen to the interview that we did with him, obviously you haven't. I asked him about the seniors and he was like, if I have to, but I still want to play on the tour. Yeah. So I don't mean this horribly, but the seniors is very much a backup for John Henderson. He still thinks he can compete in the PDC. What's Robert Thornton last year? 70 grand better off now. Yeah, but we've seen Hendo travel to Germany to qualify for Euro Tours as an associate qualifier. See Thornton make a final of a Pro Tour as a Challenge Tour player. I I think Hendo is absolutely set on winning his card back. Two events after he turns 50? Minimum? I'm not sure he plays in them either. Listening to him, chatting to him, I don't think he wants Wants to. I, I think there's there's other names that are potentially in the mix. The likes of Steve Beaton, depending on where his ranting system, if he drops off, I think he's one that we'd we'd see invited. Steve Beaton has to compete in a world championship. It just happens every year. So Steve Beaton needs to be in a world championship of some sorts, doesn't he? Um, he's a player I'd like to see if he drops off. Yeah. I'd, I'd go with that. Um, so from there, we go to Cardiff last week. Return to the Welsh capital for night two of the Premier League, boys. And are we bored of it yet? 
I mean, I didn't even watch this week, and I'm still bored of it because we were there. You know, like this is this is your segment now. You were there. It, it was on Pete's laptop next to me in the arena. But that's about as far as I got to the Premier League. Glanced over occasionally and checked the results. Um, first of all, there was a couple of absolute howlers, like when Delilah was played. You say howler, I say fantastic from the oh. DJ. <laughs> it wasn't when it got soon mixed out halfway through. <laughs> the words are nay from Richard. Ockham. Um, yeah, that was that was funny. Um, look, the atmosphere was electric for the, the, the two Welsh lads in, in round one when Johnny walked on. First of all, the, the place was absolutely bouncing. Um, and this is the first time on his round one walk-on, it's the first time I've seen Gezi genuinely smile with emotion and seem at ease. Which which is what last year last week we had question marks around how important this this week to be for Desi and he's needed something to sort of get him back excited about playing darts and the fact he was out there smiling is is a huge positive for darts fans because love him or hate him you still want to see him on the stage um, and the fact there was question marks around how long they'll play it for I'm not saying one week changes it but it certainly puts it in a better position. That he's playing with a smile on his face then. Um, yeah, look, I, 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 in respect to Gezi, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter how you come across, everybody just wants to be loved occasionally, don't they? And he hasn't had that a great deal in the last 18 months or so, or, or maybe even less than that. Leicester's not been great for him. It's only really Cardiff where he walks in and actually everybody's fully on his side. Yeah. Um, so there we have it. First up, Michael Smith um, was comfortable against Johnny Clayton. Uh, Johnny missed, th- I think, two darts at tops for four all and then missed them. And, and Michael Smith just absolutely punished him from there. Um, Nathan Aspinall against Peter Wright. Peter Wright's playing quite well, but not winning games at the moment. This is a concern is the wrong word, but he's actually throwing well, but can't. Can't win games. We saw that the week before, didn't we? Yeah. Pretty much exactly the carbon copy. He averaged 304 against Dobie and found a way to lose that match. Yeah. But, again, he's sticking with straight barrel darts. He might tinker with a grip occasionally, but it does seem to... It does feel like we haven't seen anything crazily out there in terms of barrel design in a long, long time now from Peter Wright. Yeah. Um, then we had a uh, going price against Chris Doby. This one went all the way and Gezi held his nerve in the end. But Doby had chances 6-5. It was a scrappy game. Um, but the Iceman got over the line and it was pretty good job he did as well because if both Welsh boys crash out in round one, it's a bit of a flat night. Yeah, just a little. that, And that was... Uh... Serious possibility, wasn't it? But, um, and it would have been interesting to know. Obviously, didn't I was saying as Dob, I, I saw bits of it, but didn't we didn't have any sound on the Premier League? It'd have been interesting to know what impact it would have had on the atmosphere if neither of them were in later on. 
Yeah. Um, then MVG beat Dimitri Vandenberg again. Two weeks, two times we've seen this game. Same outcome. Barker Van Gerwen wins. Then, semi-final. Um, Nathan Aspinall beat Michael Smith. And look, the Aspinalls averaged 105 two games in a row. And at this point, was flying. And 6-4 kind of flattered Michael Smith because Aspinall bossed this one. We'll take your word on that. Yeah. Then, <laughs> the second semi-final, this is when stats and everything go out the window. Uh, Gerwin Price beat Michael Van Gerwen 6-5. Michael Van Gerwen averaged 110.75 to Gerwin Price's 96.88. Not good enough. <laughs> um, Michael missed two match starts. Um, I know we're going to talk about it. Look, did the crowd get involved? Yes, let's not hide that fact. Um, but for once, the boot was on the other foot. Normally, that happens to Gezi, and Michael doing his via play interview afterwards actually said, Look, it's the one time of year he gets it, I get it in Rotterdam and Amsterdam. Gary and Peter get it in Scotland and, and everything else. So it was, he said, look, it's springs and roundabouts. Yes, I'm annoyed. I've lost. I've missed two match starts. But it's kind of swings and roundabouts. You missed the fact that Germans get it for 96% of the Euro tour. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was one of those ones. Yeah, look, did, did they boo Michael massively in match starts? Yes. But but it it happens. Yeah, but is it just a wall of noise or is it just were there specific shouts to put him off? Because again, that's different. Like booing and, and that there jeering was, a little bit. There was they were I all booing was and there were random whistles as well. I, I don't agree with the whistles, never have done. If it's booing and just a wall of noise, right? All that does is change the way that you think about your reaction to hitting it. And yeah. that's on you to control. But like we say that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Love that, Pete. Um, and in the final, um, Gezi beat Aspinall. And we're going to play the going price clip in a second. But it was interesting. We uh, we caught a word with Nathan as well when he um, came up. And we were like, was it as bad as it sounded? He was like never had anything like it like in terms of the the barrage that 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 he got and we'll, we'll, we'll play the gezi clip because he does reference it in there it was actually a really good interview with with gezi with the press conference afterwards he he spoke about it a lot we'll listen to it then we'll dissect some of it yeah and nathan said he said i don't know you put up with that every week because it is quite hostile and it is and you know you for for the last four years, I've had a, I've had a deal with with that hostile crowd, and and it's really difficult. Not not walking away from the sport. I just didn't know if I wanted to do sixteen weeks of what I get every single week. And like I said, I, I was ill for a week, and I weren't too well in the Masters. I weren't too. I thought I was okay in in Ireland, but obviously I wasn't. I went back to where where I wanted to be, and yeah, it, it all gets on top of you. But you know, I'll I'll keep battling. The smile you had on your face tonight. Do you wish that big time darts would come to Wales more often? And is Wales ready to host 
darts more often. Yeah, I think the World Championship should be, should be <laughs> this year, next year, every year. No, I mean, it's one Premier League, I think, even if we had one major or a couple of pro tours or anything. But like, I, I'm not sure what sort of venues they got in Wales, but yeah, I think it should have a little bit more than one. And one final message to all the Wales fans. Honestly, without those today, I, don't, I definitely wouldn't have won. But I've been in a situation where I probably should have won and lost. So, yeah, I appreciate every single one of them. And if they're out having a beer tonight, I'll buy them all one. Jesse, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just nice to see him smiling again. And, and I thought he actually spoke very, very well there. Yeah. I don't think there's often where he doesn't speak very well. He just speaks very well on camera and then goes on a rant on his Instagram. There's a difference. <laughs> he he um, types very badly. He speaks very well whenever he speaks on interview and, and comes across. I, part of me thinks it's time to just embrace and just go full Welsh. Right? And that seems a strange thing to say, right? But stick with the red shirt. I know he rolls it out just for Cardiff specifically, so it feels special and whatever. But just embrace it because... I've, I've been to uni with friends that, uh, that are Welsh. You see it at sporting events literally all over the world. They are some of the most vocal and supportive and passionate sports fans in the world. And at every opportunity that you get to lean on that, I think you should and, and take advantage of that. And he is certainly one that could do that and, and just embrace it. And look, you get the odd Welsh flag on Twitter and whatever else in reference to it at the World Cup and there's plenty of support at that point, but just embrace it all year round. Your manufacturer is based in Wales. You are Welsh. Go full out red and just lean on it so much and just hope that we've seen at events, you will get Welsh fans travel. You will get Welsh fans in my head. Oh, yeah, I'll embrace it, build it up, big them up, and try and drag a few more down there to support you because they will travel for you. Um, we're going to play Johnny's clip as well because he references a bit as well, and we'll touch on that as well, Big Johnny. We won't actually sing the song, but we will touch on how the Sky Man had a difficult night. Obviously, do you know what I mean? You won't get that reception anywhere else. Do you know what I mean? We all we, we play your games in England, do we? Do you know what I mean? So, um, to have that, you want to do so well. I failed. Never mind. Next time. Yeah, obviously, you know, his confidence is flying. I came off the stage and I threw the darts to the bin, but I missed that bloody thing as well. So, um, yeah, never mind. You know, we'll try again next week. Yeah, I think so. It'd be, it'd be great to have more competitions in Wales. You know, we've got it everywhere else. We travel to Germany, Holland. They get plenty of, of tournaments. We're always in England, so why don't we get, why don't we get a few more in Wales? You know, so, um, yeah, cross fingers that that happens. Will it? Probably not, but I hope so. <laughs> Is there a more likeable man in darts than Johnny Clayton? <laughs> he's mint. He's absolutely not. He's, he's so chilled and laid back. Even a defeat then, he's just like, I'll go again next week. Fine. Yeah. It's a bit like Thornton on stage this weekend. He goes, they either go or they don't. And if not, I'll be back again. Yeah. Went to throw my darts in the bin and missed, missed, bloody missed that thing as well. Um, but interesting, they've both spoken about it. Is it time that Wales has something more than just one Premier League night, being they've got the talent that, that they have and the flag bearers that they have as well in Gezi and Johnny. 
world champion, world cup champion, former world number one, multiple TV winners between them. Is it time that something else went to Wales? Yeah. If, if they go independent, then yeah, they can be a Euro tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there the, the should there should be more there, and the, <clears throat> is there a possibility for the World Cup to be moved around and see I, that in Wales? Maybe not for for, for financial reasons. Not a chance. <laughs> but for me, more should be there. I agree with Johnny and Desi that that more should be in Wales. What and where, not quite sure, and that's for the, the powers that be to decide. But I wouldn't be surprised if they try and push it a bit more. Sack off Wolverhampton. Nobody goes there. Uh, and... Might as well get rid of the Nottingham Premier League night and put that in Wales as well. I wouldn't be against that. Nottingham's a crap night. <laughs> you don't? Well, it's free. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I won my tickets to go last year, Mr. Fantasy Champion over here. The Champions League was in Wales one or two years. Mensal, Mensal won it right in Wales. Right? No, two. Phil won it in Wales and Mensal won it in Wales. So the Champions League was there for two years. But other than that, that, that's kind of kind of been it. Um, yeah, the Skyman had a difficult um, difficult night, shall we say, that the Welsh fans embraced what everyone else calls them and were singing it and, and letting, letting the world know. I think that's very much the problem with 2023, isn't it, and culture and being offended for offended sake in some regard and, and whatever else. Like, during the World Championships, when that chance being sung at Welsh dark players, there was plenty of people kicking off. But then you rock up to a stadium where six, 7,000 of them are, are embracing it and singing it back and like, yeah, we'll, we'll give you some stick back. There's multiple versions of that as well, but they will sing and they will embrace. And doesn't make it right, but it's the same when Tottenham were told that they had to stop referring to themselves in the anti-Semitic way. That the Y word. Yeah, oh, there's still plenty out there, Twitter fan, Twitter usernames, and whatever that are those things in reference to being. It's still bellowed round what are they now? Exactly, and I don't think you will change that. You won't change that culture of of a massive wave of sporting people just by saying no, you're not allowed to do it. No. You won't stop Delilah at all. No. Fans will still sing it. Oh, completely. Um, so, the Premier League Roadshow moves north of the border this week as we go to Glasgow, boys. Night number three. You told us it was Belfast over the weekend. Now, Belfast was night one. Not Belfast, Dublin. This week after. Oh, close enough. <laughs> um, so we're off to the hydro this week. Uh, Nathan Aspinall, Michael Van Gerwen, Peter Wright, Dimitri Vandenberg, Gerwin Price, Michael Smith, and Johnny Clayton, Chris Dobie. First of all, boys, round one. What are we saying? And chat room, come and get involved. 
Aspinall MBG. Van Gerwen. Yeah. The, the first two are easy because they've already played each other twice and they're going to play each other three times just because that's what the Premier League does. So, MVG wins the first one. Plus, as well, I think the, the English boys are, will obviously going to get it a little bit as well. Yeah. I've actually possibly. seen both of these opening two matches twice already. Um... No, we've not seen Aspinall Van Gerwen yet. What what I was alluding to is that if MVG and Dimmy win, they'll play each other with them for the third oh, time. Oh yeah, if if MVG and Dimmy win, that'll be three in three weeks. Stupid. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm going with you. I'm going. Um, Uh, Van Gerwen. How? I'm going um, then... How can anybody honestly sit there and say that's entertaining? Cross. Then, uh, Peter Wright, Dimitri Vandenberg, where are we going? Do you, mate? Peter just on by a win at the minute. Where are you going, Gob? I'm going, Peter. Look, you can't buy a win, but every single average he's put in in this tournament is a better than me, so. Uh, I'm go- I think Peter's playing really well as well. I'm, I'm going Peter right here in this one. Um, Gerwin Price, Michael Smith. Now, when you're in Glasgow, who will they boo? <laughs> or both? Both. Hands with Gary Anderson supports on Twitter, doesn't it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm going bully. Stop. Gezi. Just to be different from you two, but I actually think that Smith will win. Um, and then Johnny Clayton, Chris Dovey. I think Johnny gets his first win. If he doesn't, I think he's in a bit of trouble this year already. Again, not playing terribly, but just not buying a win at the minute. But... Um, yeah, I think Johnny gets his first win. I think he might be in a bit of trouble. I'm going with Hollywood. I'm going Johnny as well. So, from there, I would like your finalists and winner. Out of nowhere, Dimmy made a final and he loses to Michael Smith. That's very random. Uh, yeah, man, I wouldn't say very random. There's only eight players you took. Eight right? players, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's very random on the one finalist. Van Gerwen beats Johnny Clayton in the final. Peter Wright beats Gerwin Price in the final. Now, now we're two weeks into the Premier League because I predicted that all eight would win a night. And obviously, the majority were surprised that Derby won night one. Are you changing your numbers that you think will win? Do you think I think you're both around the six mark, if I remember right? I was six. And one of those that I said wouldn't win was Derby. No, I still don't think all will, I still don't think all will win a night. 
Have you moved to seven now then, Dob? I think I might be at eight, you know. <laughs> was Desi the other one then? <laughs> Stating the obvious. No, Nathan Aspinall was, but he's just got this knack of producing. There will be one week where he just takes advantage of everybody. Actually, no, I think Peter Wright may have been, but he's playing much better than what he was. He, it was in the consideration that I thought yeah. both of them might struggle, but one could win. No, I, I'm going to... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, how long until into the broadcast do we get the O'Gary-Gary oh, ringing around the hydro? I think I'll open, is it? Yeah. It will be echoing around there, no question whatsoever. Now, we also had Pro Tour this weekend, although I didn't see any of it. We kept up to date with results and, and everything like that. Um, Liam and Dan did an absolute amazing job this weekend. Um, so we're not going to go into everything, but we'll look there. Uh, Ryan Searle wins Players' Championship number one, uh, beating Jamie Hughes in the final. Where's this Jamie Hughes run come from? Not a clue. I, me I mentioned to you on Saturday. I was, you, I know you had the, the screen up and I was just looking over your shoulder for Outfield and every time I seen it, it was another win for Jamie Hughes. And I think those getting more and more surprised with each one. Um, but fair play to fair play to Yozu and Dud seeing back in some form. Yeah, um, massive shout out to Dylan Slevin getting to a semi-final on Pro Tour debut. Uh, look, we've seen the boy's got unbelievable ability. I've not sold on his throw, but he's he, he's got ability. Yeah, and that'll get you far enough. I still think that with an action like that, it will cause him issues further down the line. But as long as it keeps working for at the minute, then then long may it continue. Yeah, good evening, Anthony. Hope you are good, mate. Can't wait to see you. <laughs> um, who else stands out? Look, good runs on day one that Daryl Gurney get into a quarterfinal. Super Chin needs to find something because the slide is quite considerable. And obviously, he had a poor year last year and he's defending money again this year. Yeah, don't disagree. Is is one we we're looking at, and there's the concern. I guess the the thing that's always there for Daryl is he's got a he's got a very impressive stage day, and we've not seen it as much recently. But we know that he can just turn up and though and though and have a very deep run, and he'll he'll need at least one of those this year. Yeah, um, we will touch on something else in a minute but players championship number two was won by the freeze Danny Noppert and again Danny, Danny Noppert winning a pro tour is not a surprise however Simon Whitlock getting to a pro tour final is do not disagree another name that we wouldn't have expected to have such a good run early on in the season and 
certainly did that with a very impressive semi-final win over Lute. Yeah, um, Brendan Dolan was like the Grim Reaper at the weekend on, on the Sunday, just randomly smashing world champions for fun, getting to another semi-final um, before he had his run ended by Danny Noppert. Uh, Richard Veenstra getting to a quarter-final, uh, a good start to his campaign as a tour card holder. James Wade getting to a quarter-final, Glob. Baby, baby. Um... That's my input. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, no no Corey Cadby or Christian Perez at this week's one. Or we're, we're, we're just surmising that I'm guessing Corey hasn't got a visa yet. But Perez has been in and out of the UK enough for tournaments. Have we got another... Royden Lamb situation where he's won a card and then doesn't use it? Hopefully not. It's it's too early in the season to say, so you don't know if there's any prior commitments. We haven't seen anything that suggests so, but hopefully not. Hopefully we'll we'll see um, Perez at the next events. We one of those as well to see if he, he's playing at the, the Open. Look, I am going to touch on this because it was all over social media. Players doing an exhibition after a pro tour and then all losing round one the next day. It's not a particularly good look. Look, they could they could all lose round one regardless, but it just doesn't look particularly great. Perhaps. But there were plenty of seeded players losing round one on the Euro Tour last year after doing PDC authorised exhibitions on the Friday night. Or and, PDC we moaned, Europe and we criticised that as well. Hmm? And we criticised that as well. Yeah, but I don't think we can sit here and say, oh, Porter will be having it large, but he's authorised the other ones. It'd be very hypocritical of the PDC. We could, we could be critical of it. That's what I mean. We, 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 we criticised it last year, but I don't we, think... We, we, we criticised that last year as well, so... Yeah. I don't think the PDC could be, but actually... Guaranteed revenue or guaranteed money in your back pocket. I which one I'm taking. Rule change incoming next year, which we'll, we'll touch on a rule change, which has sparked debate coming up as well. There was also some Euro Talk qualifiers today. Um, so... Qualifying for ET1. I think I've got these around the right way. If not, no, this is ET2, my fault. Wait a minute. That one. So, qualifying for Euro Tour 1 through the qualifier. Ricky Evans, congratulations to Graham Usher on debut. Aaron Monk beating Jose de Souza. Again, Jose defending Euro Tour money when he was seeded. Two years ago, special one not there. Ryan Joyce, uh, Mario Van Bogengaard, Raymond Van Barneveld returns to the Euro Tour. <coughs> um, Stephen Bunting, Keegan Brand, James Wade, uh, Richie Edhouse, Richard Veenstra, Sean Wilkinson, Neil Zonabal, Steve Beaton, Louis Williams, Bradley Brooks, Adrian Lewis, Ryan Meikle, Josh Payne, Jermaine Watamina, Brendan Dolan, Willie O'Connor, Daryl Gurney, and Ted Everts all qualifying 
for ET1. Some big-name casualties. Josh Rock didn't make it. He was seeded one. Uh, Andrew Gilding seeded three. Also, Devin Peterson, it's not in the start of the year for the African Warrior that he was needed. And then qualifying for Euro Tour number two, Roman Barnabal does the double, beating Jose de Souza. Jose de Souza not at the first two Euro Tour events. Uh, Ryan Joyce, Bradley Books, Mike Kyvenhoven, Stephen Bunton, Jim Williams, Wadey does the double. Uh, Ross Smith, Chris Doby, he didn't play in number one because he's unavailable for the first Euro Tour. Um, Young Amanda Ville, Christoph Ratajski, Ricardo Petretsko, Joe Mernon, Ryan Meikle, Gert Nenches, Jermaine Watamina, Luke Woodhouse, William O'Connor doing the double, Ian White, uh, Brendan Dolan, Ted Oates, Daryl Gurney, and Pascal Repretch. They are the ones that have qualified for the first two Euro Tour boys. Decent sounding lineup. Some big names sneaking through. Some, some big names missing out as well. You're always going to get that on the Euro Tour. And qualifiers are brutal. Yeah. Absolutely right. There was the DRA updated rules released last week. And the main one. And the main topic of talking point is the change of points. Now, this doesn't come into effect until 2024. So players have a year to adapt and get their equipment in order, boys. But your first reactions to the rule change? Not, not surprised. I had a feeling something was going to come at some point. Surprised it came in now. Surprised it wasn't done with a previous board manufacturer or whatever. They can't be the easiest thing to write and approve and decide what is damaging the boards and what isn't damaging the boards. I think we'll only see this at PDC level, despite numerous other bodies having access or following the DRA rulebook. And being able and being DRA affiliated, a lot of them are still self-governing. So at that point, can choose which of those rules from the rule book they wish to acknowledge in their own rulings. Um, when you get players that double up and play both, you might see that change. But and I don't think it's wiped out every single point. That isn't a hundred percent smooth either. By the way, the wording is just incredibly difficult. What basically needs to happen is in the next year, manufacturers need to work out which are new DRA legal points, and that will be acknowledged at the time of sale. I don't think manufacturer-made points are the issue. I think it's homemade points. Well, some of them can be. But, but it's all come from a homemade point. <clears throat> that, that's the high-profile one, hasn't it? But there are plenty of other... Of those, not I don't want to say those brands, of, of point specific brands and, and companies that have started up in the last couple of years off the back of what is perceived as darts falling out or darts not staying yeah. in dartboards, etc. And look, there are some terrible dartboards out there, there's some very, very good dartboards out there, there are some dartboards in between out there. Most tournaments or organizations are played on 
some form of very decent dartboard or, or good enough dartboard. And to be honest, at the PDC level, when we did see issues before, I think a lot of the bounce outs or <coughs> fallouts or whatever were either a fault of a bad batch of boards, which is possible in manufacturing of anything, or excuses for poor technique. Players trying to steal more and more of a margin by getting steeper angles of entry into the dartboard, which at that point completely negates the force you're putting behind the dart. They're not going to stay there if there's no force behind them. And players are trying to cheat that by finding stupidly grippy points at the minute they're in, attached to the sides that are incredibly difficult to pull out. And it's not the darts going in the board that's the issue, it's when they're removed because they are so solid that by the time you do pull them out, that's when it does the damage to the board. It's going to be interesting, like you say, about that some organisations are kind of with the DRA, some aren't. But I'm I'm pretty sure that anyone can report players to the DRA. You have to affiliate to the DRA to do so. Yeah, the, the, the University Darts League is DRA affiliated, or they follow that rule book. Yeah, this is what I mean. So, for argument's sake, that we could, as media, say we couldn't cover a uni event and someone didn't want to talk to us afterwards, we I'm pretty sure we could report that to the DRA. Only if there's a stipulation saying that you have to have media obligations. Which I'm pretty sure ruling. it's in the DRA rulebook. So, if you're affiliated to it, you're governed by it. If the organisation, it says the, the media line is is a loose one anyway because it's when required to by the organisation or the broadcaster. So if the uni organiser said no, we're not we don't have interviews or whatever. Then saying no personally doesn't warrant it. Do you know what I mean? No, but, but my point is what I'm getting to that like um, the county organisation said, look, we're not going to ban them. However, if Another player complains because if they are affiliated, if the if they are affiliated to the DRA, but they don't want to adopt that particular rule, how is that going to work? Because if you're affiliated to them, you're accepting their rules. You're, surely you can't just pick and choose which ones you take out their rule book and which ones you don't. They're self-governed, though, so they can. The DRA rule book is advisory. It's not a set of laws. There are no laws in darts. It's an advisory set of guidelines that organisations choose to adopt. And in doing so, become their playing rules. It's just very great. They're not laws. There is no lawmaker in the sport of darts. (coughs) It's very grey. Agreed. It is, but at the end of the day, the players that have had trouble with points or or that regard, that have gone to hyper-aggressive are either going to have to find a way to throw their darts properly or come up with something else and just accept they're going to have the odd one on the floor. Get on with it. It's it's interesting. It really mm. is. Like when golf and the anchored putting law came in, that split it all, and it looks as if this one's going to as well. Yeah, but like the anchored putting, they have a year to adapt. They yeah, have a year right. to find alternatives and solutions, go away and practice, even if it's not on stage this year or whatever else to start working their way. What they do need to do is to 
have an opportunity throughout the season where somebody is on site to determine whether points that are currently in use are legal. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing, Johnny. It's basically the same rule. It's the same way to approach it. Um, yeah, they need somebody on site at PDC events for the rest of the year with the equipment required to measure the points, basically to tell players what current equipment is legal or not legal. But there was a line in that rule book that basically said, even if they're legal, the referee can still back, say, no, you're not using them. Which is stupid. But effectively, stupid. that that that's in there. So even if it passes on the gauge, whatever it is, even if that then starts ripping up the board, the referee can then turn around and say, no, you're not using them. Don't like that at all. And would it happen? Possibly. I think at that point you get into the, the line of, well, you're not doing it to so that one, and what's the point in having the rule? Yeah. If they pass the rule in, then fine. If, if you don't like it as the organisation, change the rule. Don't give the referees the ability to just go, nah, don't like that one. They have. They got rule one. No. Grow up. Um, Thomas says, uh, Unicorn raging at the rule change. Uh, not completely true because Unicorn started to write this rule before they gave up their rights as board manufacturer. So they, they were planning this as well. So not not quite. Uh, a week in darts as well. Uh, John Worsley wins week one of phase three of the Super Series. Um, good week last week. Some some high quality stuff. Was that only week one, was it? I lose track these days. <laughs> yeah. Um what what else have we missed of a week in darts? Um three more Utah Open qualifiers this weekend. So we've saw Darrell Pilgrim that threw on Sunday, Callum Luce Tom sixteen year old Thomas So another sixteen year old in the first round of the Utah Open. Two JDC Super 16 finalists at the age of 16 have turned up to UK Open qualifiers and defeated entire fields. Um, on the UK Open qualifiers, I know he watches, I don't know if he's in today, but massive shout out to Jason Askew. He obviously lost to Daryl Pilgrim, but just good to see him back playing after taking 18 months away from the game. Um, just good to see him back playing regardless of whether he wins, loses or whatever. Um, that was good. On the UK Open qualifiers, for next year, I think we need to find, or they need to find, a better way of doing it. So information is more readily available than just a scruff sheet of paper that someone might post on social media so people can see draws and... Agree. Don't most of them run off Dark Connect now? No. no. Or there's another scoring system they're using pool. No. I thought most of them had to be at least interactive, but No, it's normally an update from someone who's at the venue. Yeah. Someone but posted not, a picture not, of a draw sheet. Yeah, not the not the organization, more of a a, a punter or 
someone up from social media will just go and then take a quick picture. I get it's difficult to work out. Yeah, Dark Connect or Dark Access would be perfect. I get it's difficult to work on changes to tournaments constantly all year round, and we're constantly looking at things that could be improved. We know or we understand there's going to be changes to the World Cup of Darts. I think the UK Open is the next focus. That and the Grand Slam. One of those two needs some attention just in cleaning the odd thing up in terms of how everybody qualifies. You've got challenge tour players from position at the back end of last year, but now we've had challenge tour events already and, and all of that sort of stuff. But the amateur qualifiers have to remain in the UK because they made up the, that's why it's called an open, right? Anybody can turn up at any point, qualify, and go and win this tournament. Whether or not Riley's in their current situation now with the number of clubs they have, the location, and those that can support a full qualifier are the right partner for that anymore is a different question to be had. At which point they need to start an application process, a partnership program for venues that host art tournaments in regions across the country to apply to host UK Open qualifiers. I agree with Lau here. I think that is the natural progression. Who already have a regional system in place. So exactly. at that point, you could have a regional finals or a hub in each of those regions that is capable of hosting a UK Open qualifier on that scale. And to be honest, I think you'd probably draw more people there because it will be a darts venue. So people will play darts from there already. Or because you're trying to qualify for such a prestigious tournament and things like that. We've seen some of the venues where Ockies have, there's been no Ockies, there's been tape on floors and stuff like this in the past. Could, I'm not saying it's a gimme, but could the PDC set up a pro tour system like they do now and the qualifiers are done in a pro tour environment? Because then there's 32 boards. You can have multiple or more people because some venues, or they're limited to 128 in some venues now. So some people haven't had the chance to qualify for the UK Open because all the spots were taken. I, I get what you're saying, and I like the concept, but part of me thinks no, because that environment for a qualifier is so different. There's still that local amateur aspect of it. The minute you put it in a PDC sterile sports leisure centre hall, you, you lose that a bit. You you do, but then also, but like I say, players deserve to be playing on proper equipment and worthy thing. We, we've seen, like we say, ropey boards, no hockeys. It's it, is that right? We haven't this year. All the clubs have addressed that. But again, playing in darting venues and application process to host these qualifiers would come with some sort of vetting process and PDC officials on site. That has to be the way to go. Oh, yeah, there needs to be something. I agree. I just think that the more people that can play in them, the better. Yeah, but I'm not sure you're going to get more people to a Wigan, a Barnsley, or a Milton Keynes because that is extremely expensive for what effectively then becomes a one-off. 
or it's a qualifying weekend and then it's the same field over and over again. You might draw the same players and you're playing down to one player each time. There's no ranking points to keep you going for a Q score system. Nah. That'd be yeah, absolute carnage. No, not there's not a Q score system. It's literally played down like it is now to one. But it's kind of no different. If you live in Wales or Scotland, you've got to travel miles anyway, because there's no venues there. No, but some players in the past have swept across like if there's a couple on a weekend a Friday, Saturday, Sunday within a proximity of each other they'll travel and try and play in all three I remember a Nottingham winner a couple of years ago had been beaten in the final of another one the day before Look, it's, it's, it's food for thought but it, it, like we say it does need some some work um, right question time Get them in, boys. Yeah. I don't think we've missed anything else if we glaring. No, but as you asked Richie about West Ham, this tonight is clearly not just a dart show, so I'd just like to tell everybody that Merseyside is red. Are you winning or stroke one? Yes. I I'm not I'm not watching, so what does that move you into what? Eighth, ninth? Your mum's spare bedroom. Ha ha! Cheers, Johnny. Um. I oh no, we're Spurs. We're 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 dog shit. We can't defend for toffee. Um, who wins the World Cup this year? It was last year, Argentina. Come on. Oh, we're about to start. Scotland. I'm going to say, if if it's the dream pairing, I'm going Scotland. I'm gonna, right now, I'm not willing to answer because I'm hoping a survey completed 12 months ago is going to mean a changing format. And until I know the format, I'm not going to tell you my answer. I don't have to tell you. I don't think you're ever going to get the dream of just doubles. <laughs> then we riot. <laughs> Stupid. Or the conversation we had earlier, Jack in the tar, around doubles comes to fruition. Yes. Yeah, that is what we want to see. Correct. Is an all doubles away from PDC. Yes. But may or may not have been hinted at on a broadcast. <laughs> Which ones? <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he certainly let rip, that's for sure. Um, part of them, yes, I think they are. Um, I've, look, he's not the only one to say it. Matthew Edgar said it. Um, Hendo has said it. The Challenge Tour is no longer a test of ability. It's a test of stamina. Playing, to, I don't think playing two in a day over that long of the way it's been done is right. No, it's too long. Way too long. Yeah. Look. Stupid. Look, Jenks, Jenks, Jenks loves a moan. I love him to bits, but he, he, he loves a moan. Yeah. But part of what he, parts of what he was saying, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure looking down the camera saying "Hello, Matt Porter" was his smartest move. <laughs> no, I, 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 I agree on 
on that part, but part of what he said, I, I agree with that it is too long. That playing... Uh, what do we think of William O'Connor? Good, steady pro. Don't disagree with that. Uh, now, I'll just put the link in the comments. Um, uh, we, Andrew, we, we don't know. We, we presume so, but there's been nothing confirmed. I don't know what the Pegasus are, Ashton. I know you, I can see you asking for dart recommendations. The, the true story is there isn't really anything to recommend. What I will say is get yourself a tungsten barrel, not a brass set. You're looking at around 20 to 30 quid. A straight barrel and somewhere between 21 to 23 grams in weight. I'd, I'd also add to that that if you live close enough to go to a shop where you can try multiple sets and they let you try before you buy and you can go through weights and sets and everything like that yeah yeah but if not like i just said straight barrel nothing too adventurous or flashy 85 percent tungsten or 80 percent tungsten will keep the price down relatively well anything weighted between 21 to 23 grams of in weight is is perfect that's the mid-range and you can adjust accordingly yeah the, the, in that range i think there's a Windmill Navigator, that's yeah. again straight straight barrel that I see a lot of people starting with. Yeah, and what I will recommend, which everybody makes the mistake of as well when they first get into the sport, because they're all overjoyed of it, and there is such a wide range of flights and stems. You can get like testing kits that will give you three or four different lengths of stem three or four different shapes of flights, all the same colour, they all match perfectly. Start out with one of them, if you get the opportunity to, and once you are set on a length of stem and a shape of flight, buy multiples of the same ones. The thing I see amateurs or, or new people to the sport doing an awful lot, you open their darts case and they've got half the shop in there. They've got three of this flight, they've got three of this flight, they've got three of this flight. And what it does is it means that the minute you break one, your first move is, right, I'm going to bin off all three. If you get used to throwing with something that suits your eye visually, A, that helps massively for when you, you see the dart in the board, and B, you buy multiple sets of it, and if you break one, you just change one flight. You just change one stem. It makes your equipment last so much longer if you're just replacing one at a time instead of having to change all three because you're not used to having a, a mix and match set, etc. Don't get suckered into buying 12 different flights, 12 different styles of flights because they've got Union Jacks on it or they've got your country on it or they've got your football team on it or that colour design looks cool or whatever else. Just just find something you like and stick with it. All right, Big Johnny, Home Nation Series, four-player team throughout the year? Not sure where we fit it in, but... <coughs> Would it, take place, would it take place in Wales? <laughs> oh, very cynical, that, Lee. 
Don't know what you mean. Um, uh, how are we doing, John? Hope you are good. Hope you had a good time marking. Should someone uh, just say love it and seeing Matt Ward in the same conversation? Yeah. Bless him. <laughs> um, another busy week coming up. Um, Premier League returns, Pro Tours, Super Series. It's all go, boys. Does it ever stop? No. <laughs> oh, not this weekend, just gone. The one before was the only weekend off with no PDC darts at a weekend till July, I think, someone said. I'm busy. <laughs> Washing your hair. Yeah. It needs to. <laughs> oh, out of interest, boys. Did, who did the iron in this week? My bitch. <laughs> oh, after giving it the big Billy ones last week, not doing it. Not doing it. He didn't do my shirt, to be fair. So on the last day, I had to put a senior's top on instead of my smart shirt that I was going to wear. <laughs> Phil, have you seen his face? He needs as much help as he possibly can. So at least I can do his eye on the top for him. You should never have got that double bed last night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I think that's just about everything, boys, is it? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that's the right way to end the show, but yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> not the way I'd pack a suitcase. <laughs> Could have got away with a few creases, go. No, not the way I'd pack a suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> Hundred percent not. There's not a few in there. Was it? Was it? Was it like the Grand Canyon creases? Sure, put together like this in the case, and then taken out last year and was like, "Oh yeah, I'll just put that on." I'll look after you, mate. Um, <laughs> guess next week we we don't play that far in front. Christ, <laughs> <laughs> we arranged last night. We arranged tonight's guest at. 20 to midnight last night. <laughs> uh, yeah. He walked past we're... me on the staircase leaving the tavern. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, we, 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 we've said we, we're going to try and get a guest on um, every week. We're not going to promise because there will be no doubt it'd be a week that, that, that we can't, but we will try our best to get someone on. Does, does Jar count as a guest now? We can always roll him out if we're struggling. We're that desperate on week four of guests. No, no, no I'm just thinking that we've, we we get some bankers in that we can just shoehorn them in. A housewife choice. Um, but before we go, everyone, please uh, make sure you give us a like and subscribe. Uh, almost, we're about to hit 31K now, I believe. And also, you can find us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And for some reason, we still don't know what we're doing, but our TikTok channel is booming. We still have absolutely no idea what we're doing on there, but it's working. I'll tell you what it is. It's because it's interviews about Phil asking the questions. I'm, I'm, I might put myself in because I do the edits. 
and watch our numbers tumble. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like we say, plenty coming up. Um, a few interviews planned. Fallon Sherrick interview will go out tomorrow. Got to sit down with Murph. Plan to chew the fat on everything that's happened recently um, as well. And then, of course, the Premier League starts. We'll have a couple of previews dropping as well. I think that's just about it, boys. So, first of all, thank you very much, everyone in the chat room. Give yourselves a huge round of applause for joining us on Monday. We will return next week for the live lounge. I've been Phil Bars, Jack Garwood, Lee Boyce. That is us signing out for another week, and we'll see you all very, very soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 